Hi, I'm Sally Kirkman from sallykirkman.com, and I'm here today with Christina Rodenbeck from OxfordAstrologer.com, and together we are Astrology Talk podcast. We're back for our monthly get together, and we're going to talk to you about the month that's been and gone. We're going to be looking at Pisces season that's coming up, and we're going to be talking to you about the astrology of the month ahead. So lots to consider and look at in this uh, our podcast. How are you, Christina? How are you doing? How's it been? Quite a big month going on, huh? Yeah, I've been I've been really uh, paying attention to the arrival of Pluto in Aquarius, and uh, kind of I would say actually really excited by it and enjoying seeing how it's been reflected in the news. In fact. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it was massive, wasn't it, actually? Yeah, it's it's still being massive. Yes, it is. It is. And I think, I mean, it's, you know, we had Pluto going into Aquarius last year in March, the first ingress. But I think this one, which took place on January 20th, 21st, that weekend, was huge because the sun was with it, wasn't it? The sun illuminated it. They ha- there was a sun-Pluto conjunction at 29 Capricorn, and then they both moved in to Aquarius almost together, actually. And there were so many synchronicities that I have to say, I was slightly freaked out. It was like, what's going on? It's a Pluto in Aquarius universe happening. I mean, one of the things that happened to me was I ended up going to um, the cinema just literally the day after on the 22nd. And it was a group invite and, you know, Aquarius season. I've been trying to do more group things, more social things. Um, and I went to see Poor Things, which I didn't really know what it was about. And it turns out it's a modern take on Frankenstein. And I was just like, oh, my Lord, this is it. Frankenstein's back in the news. And for those of you who listen to our short podcast, you'll know that we talked about Frankenstein and the chart of Mary Shelley with Pluto and Aquarius up on her midheaven. Frankenstein was, you know, it, it embodies this Pluto and Aquarius theme about kind of the dangers of technology, playing God. Um, and here we, here we were with poor things, you know, as Pluto's going into Aquarius, I'm at the cinema watching poor things. And it's it's got massive Oscar nominations as well. So it seems so relevant um, to what's happening, to what's going on. It's interesting that there's that one, poor things. Um, and Oppenheimer, which of, of course is also plutonic because Pluto rules nuclear power. Right. And so there, and those are the, those are the big, two of the big contenders. Um, I wouldn't particularly want to call it between them. Um, yeah. I, I was doing something completely different. I was at a TEDx talk all day, Oxford TEDx, which I, I was dragged to, but I really enjoyed it. But the first person who spoke, there were a lot of the, speakers were, you know, there was a Pluto and Aquarius theme because, of course, TEDx is about the future. You know, they were talking about the future and how to live in society, which is uh, a very Aquarian uh, pair of themes, you know. Um, and the first person on was an engineer, a, a woman engineer who was a double, who was young, but was a double cancer survivor. And I thought that was so Pluto and Aquarius because Pluto, of course, is about surviving. It's not about sort of being overtaken by death. It's about dying and coming back to life. And essentially, that's what she was talking about. Mm, it's like the phoenix, isn't it? I often think of the phoenix who rises from the ashes. Things have to um, almost go to rock bottom. Or you encounter, you see death, and then you can rise and transform. I mean, that is the, the classic uh, Pluto symbolism, that rising from the ashes. Um, what else did we notice that was going on? Because there seemed to be a lot, didn't there? Well, I think it's still ongoing. Um, I think it's going to be ongoing as Pluto stays at zero degrees Aquarius. I mean, it's not kind of moving on. So I have been actually noticing there's a lot of stuff going on in the world of tech. In other words, there's Elon Musk doing his usual this, that, whatever. But um, Meta, which used to be Facebook, has become a trillion dollar company. And why is that? Pluto and Aquarius. Well, Pluto is about mega wealth, right? It's about huge, huge amounts of money. And Facebook is a network company, you know, this is, and Aquarius is about networks. Um, so 
And I also noticed that Musk lost his case. I mean, he'll be appealing it, but that there's some controversy about him extracting so much wealth from a company, whereas he could just, you know, he's he's wealthy enough already. I think that's what the judge said is, why aren't you doing it? Like the, like the other guy over at Meta, um, who doesn't do that, who doesn't take a massive salary. Yeah, I mean, and that is that is very pertinent, isn't it, for this move from Pluto and Capricorn to Pluto and Aquarius. You know, at its best, it should be there should be. I mean, Pluto is one of the planets associated with hidden riches, um, the wealth behind the scenes, almost. And in Aquarius, it needs to be shared out. I mean, the you know the amount of money. I think it was something like fifty five, fifty six billion. We're talking about with Elon Musk, which is just. You know, a bit of me just wants to weep at that. I mean, it's a ridiculous amount of money for one individual to be, you know, given, I don't know, to to deal with, you know, for heaven's sake. There need to be new laws and rules coming in. And I mean, we we banged on about this quite a bit over <laughs> recent talks about Pluto into Aquarius. But there's, when you were talking about meta, there was something else I read in the news about there'd been a virtual rape on the metaverse. You know, so there's this, I mean, the dark web, Pluto and Aquarius, um, you know, again, there's not new rules and regulations that have yet been put in place that are that are stopping things like that. So this 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 will be an ongoing negotiation or an ethical thing that's that's playing out um, while Pluto moves through Aquarius. Well, the other thing I noticed in that area was that there there have been massive layoffs again but huge layoffs in all of in in the big you know google etc um and that also is the ruthlessness of pluto coming into aquarius which is about getting rid of the stuff that you think is not necessary i'm sure that if you're one of the people made redundant you jolly well think that you were necessary but that's the that's Pluto and Aquarius is like cutting cutting stuff out, and it can be really ruthless. And I think that these tech companies are going to continue to do that. They're going to gain power over the next twenty years, and I think that you know there's they need to be reined in because there's a danger of the whole world becoming like a corporocracy or whatever. You know they're going to be run by you know of being run by these giant tech corporations. Um, and as you say, that's an obscene amount of money for one person to, to get. It's just, it's obscene and silly, you know, when there are children starving in the world. Wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's, it's unethical. It is. It's unethical. And we need to talk about ethics um, on many levels. And I wanted to mention, I mean, that the virtual rape, I think that the Metropolitan Police are actually trying to figure out how to press charges on that. Um, the Metropolitan Police is the police that force that runs uh, London. Um, and also that brings us to Taylor Swift, who has got Venus at one degree of Aquarius. So, And her past month has been incredible. Um, on the one hand, these disgusting um, online fake uh, pornographic images of her. I mean, I don't know what they look I haven't seen them but it is a disgusting thing to do because that that is literally sexual abuse and the people who've done that should be charged for abuse um and that is Pluto on Venus on the other hand the other thing that is Pluto on Venus is her her power as a woman has gone through the roof and all those Grammys she's become is she the person who's won the most Grammys? She's got four Grammys for the best album. I think that's the most. That is the most. So that's the record that she's just broken. Um, and, and so interesting that it was when, because, you know, I talked about the Sun Pluto. Um, they came together right at the end of Capricorn. But, you know, then all the inner planets are moving through Aquarius and they're triggering Pluto at zero degrees. So we've still got Mars uh, Pluto on 14th of Feb, Venus Pluto on 17th of Feb, we're talking before that. But the Taylor Swift winning the Grammy coincided with the Mercury Pluto conjunction. So triggering her Venus. And you know, Mercury is it's the voice, isn't it? Uh, it's it's the word. She's a brilliant songwriter. So that Mercury Pluto on her Venus was also about her, you know, coming to power, actually, being shown as a really incredible 
powerful singer-songwriter on that. So, you know, that that is the thing with Pluto as well. And I think this is often people kind of fear Pluto transits are like, oh, it's all going to be awful. My life's going to fall apart. Ah. Um, but, you know, Pluto is power and it does raise your status as well. Um, and we've seen that time and again, I think, particularly with the conjunction, it can really sort of bring you to prominence. And and as you said, you know, the Grammys was all about the women as well. It was it was quite extraordinary. Um, but she was she was the star of it. Venus also rules is is the art planet, you know, it's one of the the art planets. And there you go. It's her art, which is mercurial. In other words, it's a right. It's her writing um, that is suddenly empowers her. Um, yeah, I've been sort of collecting uh, stuff from people who've had major Pluto transits um, over the past 10 years, like conjunctions to the sun and stuff. And I have to say, on the whole, there is something major that you have to get through, um, and it's transformative. And it may be – so I had a woman yesterday, a lady yesterday, who has, with Pluto on her son, found that she had to actually really help her mother through her through her death, to to her death. And so she had to befriend Pluto. Um, she had Pluto in the house. And that was actually eventually empowering. It's made her stronger in the end. Um, but that kind of transformative life transition is the sort of thing that happens when you have a Pluto conjunction in particular. I agree with you that the conjunction is much more empowering. I think, you know, the square could be difficult. We've got Prince Charles, haven't we? King Charles. <laughs> oh, King Charles, excuse me. Yes, come excuse on. Excuse me, my royal slip up. <laughs> yeah, King Charles. <laughs> but Sally, you know more about his chart than I do, so tell tell us about it, man. You know, just from this symbolism of it was again interesting. Pluto moved into Aquarius. Aquarius is the sign opposite Leo, which is the royal sign, and suddenly the royals were just falling apart. I mean, there was Kate and um, I think Sarah Ferguson, then the King Charles, all, all of them with these health issues, like really kind of wobbling our royal family. Um, but with, with Charles, it is, he's got Pluto squares moon at zero degrees Taurus, which is in the 10th house. So, you know, it is him having to take a step back from being in his public profile in the public eye and that's what's kind of been announced and also he does have saturn opposite saturn which is his health planet which you know is can often bring kind of um some kind of struggle or something you're going through health wise so yeah i mean it shows very clearly for him and it is part of this again it is part of this important pluto ingress into aquarius um so we'll see we'll see what happens I have my theories on it, but anyway, I'm not going to <laughs> expose them all on this podcast. So in case you haven't been glued to the news about uh, King Charles, um, he's got prostate cancer. Yes. And and he's been very open about it, which I think is really interesting because it's like I said, like you were saying, it's squaring his moon on the, on the MC. So, you know, I'm going to tell you about my body is is that partly and, and you know, that I have this this a dark visitor in my body. Wow. So that was last month. We should probably move on to this month, shouldn't we? And talk about Pisces and stuff. What are your feelings about Pisces, Sally? <laughs> oh, it's such a lovely star sign, Christina. <laughs> One of my favorites. Favorite people are Pisces. Of course, Christina is Sun Pisces. If if none of you, uh, if you didn't know yet, she is. She's going to have her birthday, our lovely Christina. Um, yeah, dreamy, romantic, bring more beauty into the world. I mean, really. Look, I mean, look at you just, I mean, those of you who are on um, watching this on video, look at Christina's room. She's surrounded by art and flowers. And I've just got a blank canvas behind me, Scorpio. Let's keep it all hidden. So, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, you're embodying Pisces in a way, just, you know, by sitting in this room with all this art and beauty around you. Are you looking forward to your birthday? I'm not a sort of big, like, oh, it's my birthday person. I, I always find birthdays, I don't mind getting older, but I find the whole thing around them, I they're quite an in, 
um, an introverted time for me quite often. Um, and so I'm not, I, you know, I don't sort of big birthday party. It makes me shy, actually. And of course, Pisces can be quite shy, even though I have Leo rising. I, I've got a very shy side. Um, yeah, so Pisces, um, Pisces season this year is going to be watery, isn't it? Um, but it's quite, there's quite a lot happening astrologically for Pisces, not just for Pisces, but especially for Pisces, I guess. Um, because all of us Pisces, and maybe, maybe one of the reasons I'm feeling more, not somber, but like real is that Saturn is in Pisces at the moment and has been for since last March and is going to be until I think it's 2026, is it? Um, and that is a, Saturn is a, is a reality check. It's the stone. It's cool. And, um, not always most comfortable in Pisces. Mm, and it's very different to, you know, Pisces is boundless, isn't it? It's the last sign of the zodiac. I always think of it as the place where, you know, you say goodbye to the ego and you can float off into the cosmos and the ether and it's all bliss and transcendence. And there is this boundlessness. I mean, Pisces, there's often empathy. They're so empathic. I mean, it is, it's a heart connection, Pisces, one of the emotional water signs, but Pisces can take things on. They can be like a, a sponge and, you know, and they have to be really careful with other people about not, you know, give over giving and, and they really pick up on other people's energies. So there's this boundless nature to Neptune. And again, to Pisces, I should say, Pisces is ruled by Neptune, god of the sea. And I often, you know, if you think of the symbolism of the sea, it can tell you a lot about Pisces. Um, that that vastness of it, that boundlessness. So Saturn's come along and, you know, it wants boundaries in place. It wants you to get things done. It wants structure, doesn't it? So it's not an easy fit by any means. They have to learn to work together. Um, you know, and I've seen some Pisces actually flourish quite strongly with Saturn in Pisces recently. They've been able to get things done, which, you know, can be a, it can be a challenge for Pisces. They've been able to have the discipline to sort of come to a task day in, day out and get things done. Um, I've actually, mm, I've seen that more than, than Pisces struggling. I mean, those of you who are Pisces who are listening in, obviously you'll have your own experience of this, but it is a really important planet to have in your star sign. Um, the last time it was there would have been 30 years ago. So it is kind of like, you know, the Saturn return is every 30 years. And it is often the time of reassessment, review of reckoning, kind of looking at your life in, in, in reality. And again, Pisces is really prefers fantasy, dreams, the imagination. Um, so they're very, very different entities. Okay. So should we have a start think, looking at what's coming up in the, in the month ahead, in this particular month that's coming. And and do we want to look at the, bring up the chart for the full moon? Yeah, well, it's a full moon in Virgo, obviously, because it's always, a full moon is always in the opposite sign to the sign that is the sun, where the sun is. Um, and it's early, isn't it? It's, uh, what is it? Is it the 24th of February, the full moon? Yeah, it is. It is. So it's a few days in, five days in. And it, it makes a conjunction with that Saturn. Um the Saturn that we've been discussing. Um, and it's sort of the, the, or rather the sun makes a conjunction with Saturn at that full moon. And in fact, the full moon is a bit on, bit on its own, isn't it? It's got a lot of planets on the, it, on the other side. Yeah. The little moon, the little moon is in Virgo. It's all on their own waving across at everyone else. Come and look after me. Well, it's got Jupiter, a bit of support from Jupiter, that moon, Jupiter and Taurus. Um, I think it's quite a nice moon. Uh, it's not kind of, we've got had a lot of kind of jarring and uh, kind of exciting lunations already this year. And this one is feels smoother to me. It feels very, I think it's, it feels steadying. And I hope that that's how it's going to play out, that it's going to be a steadying rather than, you know, Saturn can, it can face you with your limitations or, you know, it can bring some hardship or it can slow you down. I mean, obviously that is a possibility, isn't it? And again, it will be interesting to see what happens to Pisces 
during this full moon, um, you know, whether it is steadying and stabilizing or whether something comes along and you have to really, you know, you've got to rest and, and do things slowly and kind of dig deep to to get things done. I mean, this is this is the interesting thing. It can play out in these two different ways. I think also what's interesting about this full moon is that it pulls in Mercury, which rules Virgo. So it's the ruler of this full moon. And it too is in Pisces. And it too is caught up in this triple conjunction, Mercury, Sun, Saturn. And those three planets are going to come together on February the 28th, just a few days later. They actually make um, both Mercury and the Sun a conjunct Saturn on that day. And that to me feels like, you know, signing something, agreeing something. You know, it'd be a great day to kind of firm up plans. Um, again, for Pisces, it's good, but also I would think for Gemini in particular, it's quite an important time because this falls in your career sector. So what are you either ending, Saturn can be about ending, or what are you finalizing, committing to? Remember that Saturn is this kind of, you know, it can close the door on things, but it's also about looking at your long-term future, looking ahead in that way. I think it's a fantastic triple conjunction coming up on the 28th of February, 1st of March. Um, and uh, I love Saturn and Mercury together. I think it's really sciency. It's quite old-fashioned astrological. It's kind of wizardy. And, you know, it's unusual to get those three guys, one on top of each other, that triple conjunction. It doesn't happen that often. Um, so this is really special. It's a really special pair of, you know, those, those days in particular, but we're already leading up to it through this begin, this first week of Pisces season that, you know, Mercury is coming towards the, this conjunction. The sun is coming towards Saturn. And it's like, it's really practical. It's very strategic. Um, I think it's really important. As you said, for Gemini, I think it's super important. Um, this is about your, possibly about your future, about signing a contract. For Pisces, it's important. It may be signing a contract with yourself, dear Pisces. But, um, I'm actually thinking about a, um, one of my Pisces friends who has just, um, got a book deal and she's work, you know, she's looking at the contract at the moment. And I think that this, would be a great moment to either sign the contract or get the contract back in the something like that. Um, but it's also important for Virgo and uh, Sagittarius, the other uh, mutable signs. It's on an it's on an important angle for you, and there's something in this which is it's about having a practical solution to a problem that may have been seemed intransigent in some way. Um, and it's it's a real rather than just theoretical, even though it's in Pisces. But it may be a dream coming true, which this is for my particular friend who's getting the book deal. Um, it's a dream coming into reality for her. And it's about writing, of course. So it fits this perfectly, this triple conjunction. Um, Yes. Okay. And I'd like also the other thing I want to say about the triple conjunction is it makes a beautiful sextile to Jupiter in Taurus as well. So there's, so it's very, very positive. There's a lot of support for it. So I would suggest also to Taurians, this is good, you know, and it may be about friendship or the group that you're part of. Um, I think it's also good for the other earth signs well virgo we know it's it's about relationships probably but you know a relationship that's going to take you further higher whatever um so it's a really fantastic combination of powerful practical planetary en energy at the end of february beginning of march um and just to mention a concept about solar returns and and your birthday so for Pisces, born around that time, this energy takes, you know, will take you through the next 12 months. Um, so do something, maybe a little bit risky, but actually a practical step forward at this point. Also, Sally, have we mentioned the fact that all the planets are direct? 
Yeah, they have been for a while now, haven't they? I think maybe even when we the last podcast, they're probably direct. They are. They're all direct until April the first, when Mercury will turn retrograde, and that is really important. You know, there's um, we're moving things forward. It's like there's a pull, isn't there? You're being pulled forward when all the planets are direct. There's none holding back. So. It is a time to kind of, and, and this, you know, when looking at this full moon, it's kind of steady getting ahead. It's not charging and rushing into things. It's it's really kind of making some sound decisions, looking to the future. Um, and, and again, I think the, the as you said, the earth signs and, and water signs, um, Taurus, Virgo, Capricorn, Cancer, Scorpio, Pisces in particular, it's your kind of energy, Um you know, in astrology, we call them the more introvert signs, but you like things to flow. There's a steadiness um, and getting a sort of pace, going with your pace. And and that to me is very much what this, this feels about, this full moon. Um, so yeah, it's quite interesting. The other thing I was thinking when you were talking is like with Virgo in particular, sometimes with, with Saturn, you've got to get real about stuff. So as it's relationships with Virgo, it's commit or quit. I often talk about Saturn as that. Are you going to commit or are you going to quit? Get decisive. There's none of this, you know, flapping around trying to, oh, I'll do this for a bit. Oh, I'll do that for a bit. It is, it's a full moon. You know, the light of the moon shines brightly. It's a time to, really good time for getting in touch with head and heart and making intuitive, powerful decisions. And I think this full moon is fantastic for that. There's one other thing I do want to say, because of course, you know, we've we've got a leap year this year, haven't we? We've got an extra day on February the 29th, um, that, which is after this uh, triple conjunction. And there's a Mercury-Jupiter sextile aspect on that day. So that's Mercury and Pisces, quite romantic, sextile Jupiter. And there's a tradition on leap year that I think this was in Ireland, ancient times, that it was it was traditionally a day for women to ask men to marry them. And I did think that Mercury and Pisces sextile Jupiter is fantastic for a proposal. You know, so if anyone's wanting to do something romantic and speak forth and I love you. I mean, what a fantastic aspect on leap year. Well, the other, yeah. And there's more kind of romance as well, which is that on earlier that week, um, Mars and Venus make make their conjunction. And this year, it's in Aquarius. So there you go, Aquarians. It's passion and love possibly coming together, um, but also action and, uh, I was going to say action and peace, but let's, let's hope so. Uh, you know, let's hope there's a ceasefire, actually, um, in Gaza at that point. There may, maybe there will be. Um, but, it's actually stronger, I think, because although it's not quite conjunct that Pluto in Aquarius, it's pretty close. And both Venus and Mars have come off that Pluto in Aquarius. And this one, that, that conjunction, it's still in action, you know, at the end of the month when I was talking about that, the other triple conjunction. And, um, you know, when Mars and uh, Venus come together, it is the lovers coming together. Um, and it's very nice for all the air signs, Libra, Gemini, and Aquarius in particular. And But there's this added passion to it because of the Pluto connection. Um, and this added kind of, I want to say, urgency. Yeah, which is, it's interesting symbolism, isn't it? I mean, it's actually on the 22nd of February. They, it's a, we can see it here in the chart. They're sitting next to one another um, so they've, they've made their conjunction just before this full moon on the 22nd. It's at six degrees, so even closer to Pluto. Um, I find this a really interesting conjunction, this one. And traditionally, it was seen as a bit of a troublemaker conjunction, actually. But for me, I think that kind of troublemaker aspect is when it falls in the signs that they rule. So Aries, Taurus, Libra, Scorpio, there can be something competitive, combative going on with them. But Venus and Mars in Aquarius is, you know, you've got the, the love and sex planet. Oh, oh God, we're back on cyber sex, aren't we? I've suddenly thought in Aquarius, you know, it's, but there's something quite detached about Aquarius, the air sign. It doesn't want to leap in and go all passionate. And yet Pluto's there adding intensity. So I imagine during this, this Venus-Mars conjunction that there'll be 
there'll be a lot taking place in the mind. It could be a very fertile time for, you know, getting very sexual fantasies or something like that about someone. <laughs> I need to, to rein that in a little bit. But yeah, I mean, there's something about it that's quite an interesting, sort of detached, but intense, detached, intense. So maybe, you know, it's a bit stop start. And also for Leo, this is interesting because it actually falls in your relationship sector. So, you know, it could be a standout date for love, for really kind of, I think, noticing what you feel and what you want around love too. Yeah, it's very sexy for Libra as well, um, that conjunction. Um, one thing that I, you know, I was just thinking about my thoughts about this sort of ceasefire. And of course, it can go either way. You know, Mars can overwhelm Venus. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping for a ceasefire, but it could go the other direction. Um, so keep, you know, pay attention. on. It's not just the 22nd of February, is it? Then they start, keep on traveling together for quite a while. Um, they're, they're kind of, they have the conjunction, but it doesn't, it's not just one day, you know, because they're not moving that fast. So they carry on through that end bit of February to basically together through Aquarius. Yeah, they are going to stay in Aquarius. I mean, Venus is there until March the 11th and Mars is in Aquarius the whole of Pisces season. It doesn't move on until March 22nd. So these Aquarius themes that we've been, you know, finding that are starting to roll ahead, they continue through Pisces season. Um, you know, it's a really significant part of it. Okay, shall we have a look at the um, the new moon chart up? Shall we get that one up? Yeah, let's do that. I feel that we've dis we've discussed that first bit, that at the end bit of February, and I think we need to move on into March now, um, which of course is is one of the things about Pisces season is it it's the I mean it's it's wintry, it's the twelfth sign of the zodiac, but it's also mutable, and then it's the switch the movement from winter into spring happens during Pisces season and then it takes off at the end when the sun goes into Aries at the equinox. So we're also moving towards the equinox through this season, which is, a, I think that's a very nice feeling. The days here up in the north, it's so obvious the days are getting longer um, already as we, and that, that feels more and more and more so as we get closer and closer to the equinox. Um, so the new is on the 10th of March. It is. And that's the day of the Oscars, actually, which is, you know, there's um, we've we've done a little bit on the Oscars, which is going to come out um, before it com will come out in Pisces season and just before this new moon. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's classic. And we talk a bit about in that about how Pisces is the star sign ruled by Neptune that's linked to movies and glamour. And it feels perfect that the Oscars falls during Pisces season on a new moon, bringing something new to it. Um, and this, the both the sun and moon are heading for Neptune during the new moon. I mean, the new moon's at 20 degrees Pisces on the 10th of March and Neptune's at 27, but they're both going to make a conjunction with it. So they're both falling into Neptune's embrace, um, which does feel, you know, it brings... It brings that feeling of romance, doesn't it, with Neptune? Um, but also, you know, that that desire for for fantasy. It's it's very glamorous. The Neptune in Pisces too. Um, so that I mean, for me, that's the that seems to be the most obvious thing. It's interesting, isn't it? There's there's no kind of jarring planets to this new moon again. I mean, there's a sextile to Uranus, uh, which is at nineteen Taurus, but there's sort of more of a flow or something. It feels more flowing, the lunations this month. I agree. I mean, I think basically when the sun and everything starts to move into Pisces, you get this really kind of pleasant, <laughs> dare I say it, a pleasant smoothness, because partly because of that, the fact that Jupiter and Uranus are both in Taurus, um, which has been quite jarring while everything's been in Aquarius because that makes squares. But as we move further and further into Pisces, everything begins to make lovely um, connections with that Uranus and Jupiter. Although Venus and Mars will both square it, won't they, in March as well in Aquarius. 
So it's kind of, there's a flow for the water and earth signs going on. But, you know, what's happening in Aquarius is still a bit bumpy. Um, you know, the Venus Uranus squares on the 3rd of March and the Mars Uranus squares, um, it's just happened. So it's on the 9th of March. So there's kind of, it, you know, there's, there's this sort of scenario of things flowing, but there's something going on behind the scenes as well. It's a little bit more rocky or a bit more bumpy. You know, Uranus, Uranus in Taurus squaring those planets in Aquarius, that is some things falling apart, some things coming to an end. So I kind of feel like, you know, it's important to use that Saturn in Pisces again, be be real about things or get the, you know, a real picture of what's happening. I also think that the Venus and, and Mars in Aquarius for most of this time is to do with taking action on Pluto, on the things of Pluto um, that you may already know about. Um, so, you know, Mars made a conjunction with Pluto, Venus made a conjunction with Pluto in Aquarius season. And now you're carrying through with whatever those plan, whatever was triggered by that. And so there's a lot of action for Aquarians. There's a lot of action for Leos. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of action for, for Taurus as well in terms of your career. Um, so I think for Taurians in particular, you know, this, you may really be taking off because you've got Jupiter the expander in your sign. You've got all these planets that have gone, you know, are going through your career sector. Um, the friendships look good. The teamwork looks good. You may be committing to some kind of teams, getting, being given a contract for a team. Um, maybe, uh, Kansas City is going to take you on as a tight end. Um, I love that term, tight end. Don't you? Tight end. I have no idea what it means, Christina, but anyway. <laughs> it's some kind of football position in American football as a tight end. And it's what Taylor Swift's boyfriend plays. Um, but yeah, so basically, you, for Torians, super important. I mean, I think we've been saying that, you know, your career is really important, Taurus, this year, especially before June. But this month into uh, right up to the end of Pisces season, it's all action up there. Um, so you may literally have a promotion, you know, that you need to, or some job that you need to execute. Um, and I'm just thinking for Scorpios, what would you say for Scorpios with all that Aquarius energy still thrusting ahead, Sal? Well, it's all home and family, isn't it? It's in the home and family sector. Um, you know, I'm, and I'm, there's a weighing things up for me going on as a Scorpio. I'm just talking, talk, talking about my personal. Um, I'm still deciding whether, you know, whether I want to invest in property. Is the time right? Um, so there's, that's going on quite a lot for me. Um, you know, weighing things up, but still haven't quite made the decision, actually. Maybe I will during this month. Um, because, you know, the, we're talking before both Mars and Venus make the conjunction to Pluto. So, um, you know, maybe for, for Scorpios, it is about making some firm decisions around home, around family, those kind of key areas. And I think for me that Venus, Mars also, wherever it falls in your chart in Aquarius, think about teamwork. It's about collaboration. It's about not being competitive with people, but collaborating with people. Um, so that is a really kind of key piece of symbolism, too, that's going on. And that's, again, that could go either way, couldn't it? Um, I was just listening to one of my other favorite podcasts, dare I mention it, called Human Brain with Shankar Vedantam, um, in which he discusses um, psychology, essentially, with professors. And they were talking about the art of persuasion and how you never... You know, this is from a professor at Stanford, and he's looked into it a lot. And and you, and basically, he found that you can never persuade anybody by arguing with them uh, logically. Uh, so debate doesn't really work. Our whole, you know, and our whole society is, you know, unless you have the judge, the debate doesn't work. Um, so you can't persuade someone like that. So how do you persuade them? You persuade them by finding the common ground the thing that you have in common and seeing things from their point of view and seeing how whatever argument that you have benefits them 
Here's the thing about Aquarius. Aquarius is about society. Um, and it's about our human connections in the real world. Um, it's about networks. That's why we're seeing so much in the news about these network companies. Um, but Pisces, and so we're shifting very gradually from that um, part of the sky to the Piscean's part of the sky, which is not a, which is about diffusion and sort of non-networks. Um, but Pisces these days has got this sort of stiffening quality from Saturn for the next couple of years, which is about take and Saturn rules Aquarius. So we've got Aquarius planet, Aquarius ruler in Pisces. So in a way, these two are working quite well together. And it's how do we take that, uh, those networks and that practicality of the Aquarius and make it real, um, in Pisces. Mm, interesting. You know, it makes me, there's, you're moving from air to water as well, aren't you? From Aquarius, uh, to Pisces. And, I, I think this this is a really something that is going to be huge for us moving forwards with Pluto and Aquarius because you can kind of see that that what happens when it's all about the technology and the head and the mind and all of that, the brain, but you don't bring in the heart, but you don't bring in the empathy, you don't bring in, you know, the compassion, you lose that. And, and maybe moving into Pisces season and with Saturn, as you say, Aquarius ruler in Pisces, it's it's also remembering to bring the heart in as well. That feels like it's 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 really important. Maybe Saturn in Pisces is reminding us of that. I, I I agree with you completely. I think that's absolutely spot on. Um, compassion. Pisces is the sign of compassion, and Saturn is the sign of practical of doing something. So it's about practical compassion again. I mean, I think we mentioned this last uh, episode but i think we'll carry on mentioning and as saturn goes through pisces that this is this is absolutely ne necessary um while pluto is making all these changes in society essentially to keep and keep the rules about compassion to keep that compassion going because in a few years time it's all going to change you know saturn won't be in pisces but pluto will still be in aquarius um, so unless we're we raise our consciousness now, um, things could go, you know, we don't want things to kind of veer off into a very uncompassionate place, which which they could, you know. Um, so it's important to stay grounded in that Pis those Piscean, the best Piscean values. I mean, the worst ones are, as we know, kind of scandal and Rupert Murdoch and all that stuff. Um, but the good ones are, you know, are making a real difference to the spiritual lives of people. Um, and, you know, mind, body, spirit, right? It's, it's a priest, it's a priestly, um, it's considered to be quite a priestly placement, Saturn in Pisces. Yeah, it's the shame. Well, Saturn, we've often talked about this, that, you know, Saturn, when it, with its rulership of Capricorn, we often think of the workaholic. But actually, Saturn is also the shaman. It's the goat fish, um, you know. And Capricorns can be incredibly soulful as well. So Saturn brings it is bringing the soul, and and that Saturn Pisces for me is finding you know that place of, um, of the pr place of prayer or the place of quiet where you go to just to connect in in with yourself and out with the universe. You know, and astrology is, I often think when people ask me what astrology is, I think that's the power of it, that it can help you deepen your connection with yourself, the inner, which is also deepening your connection with the universe, the outer, and having those kind of working working together. And and I think that's a really kind of clever and clear way of, of using this, this Saturn in Pisces, this combination. Um, and I think we should probably mention that, you know, it's always nice when the, there's a, there's like a sun Neptune conjunction, which is the 17th of March this year. Um, you know, that is also very beautiful for anything, but for, I mean, for art, spirituality, by that time, um, Venus is going to be, um, in Pisces. So there's a massive stellium in Pisces by then. And this, this, um, actually Venus will come up and make a conjunction to Saturn. Um, but it's already within orb by then. Um, so there's a Venus-Saturn conjunction and a Sun-Neptune conjunction going on. 
And the reason that I'm talking about that is because Neptune, well, that I point that out really, is that Neptune and Venus are considered a sort of higher and lower octaves of love. So there's a kind of love sandwich going on in Pisces. Um, through pretty much as soon as Venus comes in, um, and it may reach a peak around the 17th. Um, and, and that's really great for Pisces. It's fantastic for Virgo, you know, but this, this is all going on in your sign of relationships, but it's also great for Cancerians. Um, because it's, it's sort of taking your mind higher, Cancer, you know, out of the, uh, you may have, you know, had quite a difficult few years with Capricorn in, sorry, Pluto and Capricorn. And now you're being lifted out of that. And it may be through art, it may be through prayer, it may be through some kind of course that you're taking. It's all, um, you're being lifted up. And you may really feel that through this month. Yeah, I, I think that's lovely. And, and maybe then use this, you know, everybody use this new moon on the 10th of March to set some intentions to, you know, where do you want to reach out to other people? You know, for Sagittarius, this is your home and family sector. It's about the ones you love. And, you know, for Capricorn, it's about your community. It's about your role within your neighborhood. So, you know, set some intentions on on how you can make a difference to other people's lives. It only takes little things sometimes. I. And it makes you feel better. I love that. Sometimes I go out and I just make a, a point of smiling at everyone I go past. And and I love seeing, you know, how people react to that, whether people smile back. Some people look terrified, like, oh, my Lord, she's a nutter out here. But I love that, giving that, you know, little compliments or just little chats with people or smiles. And, you know, that is, it is about that human connection. And that's so important, getting off our blooming screens, getting off, you know, all this internet stuff and really looking people in the eye and connecting as human beings. So, you know, wherever this Pisces is going on in your chart, whether this Pisces overload is, thank goodness, um, lose yourself in it, really enjoy it, really connect and and make a point of doing that. And I think that's really important during during Pisces season. And I also think that, for example, Gemini, you may literally be setting an example with this. You know, you may be being a role model in some way. Um, and frankly, actually, you know, ditto with cancer, you may be being a role model or a teacher of this, you know, of compassion or something that's really valuable. And um, one of the things I love about that connection between um, Venus and Saturn is that it is about things having real value rather than false values. Um, because Saturn real um, and Venus's value um, and and the real values at this point are the again back to those Piscean values um, of universal love um, among other things and also that you know music this feels very musical to me this passage through Pisces um, it always is you know Pisces season but you know that there's uh you know if you're a composer, compose please <laughs> you may find that you're really on it especially even just starting from that um end february when you get the that fantastic triple conjunction of saturn mercury and the sun in pisces it's a very inspirational for people who work in things like music mathematics um in these sort of engineering those things that require structure yeah, I like that. I mean, you know, it is Pisces season. So find your, un unleash your inner artist, isn't it? Unleash your inner artist, the poet in you, uh, the musician in you. And also, I think this is, you know, this can be the power of Saturn moving into Pisces while Neptune has been there for so long, because Neptune can, it can lead you astray. We know that sometimes you can lose yourself in ways that aren't good, you get seduced, you get, you know, you can get pulled into cults and things with Neptune. But Saturn's coming along to bring a reality check. Um, you know, it's bringing something more discerning, something more, more grounded. And it's about a reminder that, you know, we all need to lose ourselves. I love that expression for, you know, around Neptune, Pisces things, lose yourself, you know, find bliss, find transcendence in the world, but do it in a good way, a way that's very real and very heartfelt. And, you know, the, the arts are fantastic for that. And also spirituality. 
the the spiritual path. So exciting. Yeah. And also, I mean, just the, it's always important. I know I always mention this, but, you know, it's important to remember that Neptune is about um, drugs and um, alcohol. And that is not the path to, and that's a way that it's a very easy path to lose yourself is down that route. And that is the temptation and the, the aura of Neptune. And Saturn is coming along and saying, no, you can't do that. Because that there is no shortcut to transcendence. You have to put the work in. If you want to find God or transcendence or do your art, there is no shortcut. You have to do the work. And if you've been taking shortcuts, you Saturn's coming along to knock you not you know, to cut you off at the knees. So do the work. Do the spiritual work. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 Saturn, isn't it? It's kind of do this day in, day out. Don't expect kind of overnight wonders happening. Do it day in, day out. Be disciplined. So quite an exciting month coming up. I think we should wrap up there, Christina. Um, anything, I mean, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a new, it's a new kind of energy coming in and there's some kind of really key reminders about what's important. And for me, it's coming back to that you know, coming back to the compassionate, heart-centered side of Pisces. Um, and just, I would just add that one thing to remind everybody, everything's moving forward at the moment. It's all going really fast. Um, so we are rushing into this new Pluto and Aquarius time. Um, and I, I'm very excited, actually. Me too. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. Um, and we hope you'll listen in again next month when we're back with our Aries Season Astrology Talk podcast. See you soon. Bye. Bye.